Hey everyone, and welcome to this new brand new edition of the podcast. It should go without saying. I am your host, Andrew Lewis. It is Tuesday night in Australia. We have just finished the NBA regular season tomorrow. The playing game starts, so what a better time to get the whole crew together uh, for a big, long, fat NBA chat. Joining me today is our NBA expert council, our uh, council of elders, uh, to discuss the NBA. I want to say hello to our longtime NBA expert, Adam Amy. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. I uh, missed you guys on the last the, the last time you went through this stuff. Yeah, you were missed. We we had an entirely rational discussion about the Los Angeles Lakers, which is totally not our style. Uh, that, doesn't, so, that doesn't happen. I don't yeah. believe you. Uh, also joining me is a uh, new new NBA expert who joined us last year for the uh, for the all time draft, and also supporter of a team that has a twenty seven percent chance of having a top five pick in the lottery in the draft this year. <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves fan Daniel Shea. How you doing, Daniel? Oh, I'm very well. You forgot to mention officially, statistically, the worst franchise in any sport in American history. Yeah. You know, That's, like, give us our props, please. Yes. Yeah, come on. To nice put that way in to context, introduce, uh, introduce the man. To put that into context, the NBA, the sorry, the American sport franchise, one of the big four, the uh, which has the second worst record, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are the defending Super Bowl champions. So unless Tom Brady starts playing point guard for the Timberwolves, um, it looks like he might be there for no, a long time. And look, I know his knees don't work anymore, but we just need to bring KG back. I'm sure that'll turn things around. <laughs> it will. Rip him out of the Hall of Fame and uh, back onto the court. It'll just certainly... Uh, throw some sneakers on him. It'll it'll send the fear of God into Cat and he'll start playing better. You'll see. There'll, <laughs> there'll certainly be some basket uprights, which will certainly be uh, fearful of a, of a very scary headbutting if Kevin Garnett comes back. And props to Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan. And, of course, Adam's boy, Kobe Bryant, being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame on the weekend. And then we've just had some more inductees this year's class. So I think uh, Lauren Jackson becomes the first Australian player to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I think only the second Australian behind Lindsay Gaze to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, ben Wallace has been inducted. I'm not quite... Those are the two I ben, know off ben the was, top uh, of my head. Chris Webber? Chris Webber got inducted. C-Web. Um, I think. Did Bosch make it this time? Uh, Miss possibly. it again. <clears throat> oh. We're going to let Adam type that up while while the producer goes, makes the that stretch. Paul Pierce, Chris Bosch, and Chris Webber headline 2021 Hall of Fame class. See, he really shouldn't have gotten fired, you know. Um, Paul Pierce was just celebrating early. <laughs> the same sort of foresight that that did him so well as a player has um has uh, has undone him in his post playing career. Yeah, that that headlines that 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 does um actually who was it? Ah, Chris Bosch. There we go. He's yeah, in he's in too. Well, it's a discussion we can have for another day because yes. with all due respect to that triumvirate, Bosch, Wallace, Weber, and Pierce, that, that quartet, it's not quite Duncan, Garnett, Bryant, who are absolute that is a, don't argue first ballot Hall of Famers. You know. That is true. They did also induct Bill Russell as a coach. As a coach. The great Bill Russell, the greatest winner of all time. And the reason why 
if it had happened in real life, I would have won the NBA 2K simulations last year because I had Bill Russell on my team. Anyway, not better. Speaking of awards, because there is a there is an NBA award that's named after Bill Russell, the NBA Finals MVP award, which obviously we're not going to name because we haven't played the NBA Finals yet. That's segue. But it, so the sweet. regular season is <laughs> over, and there has been probably more debate um, in around the traps about NBA awards than ever before. We've had a very contentious MVP debate, which is, of course, not nearly over, but no one can add to their resume. We'll just talk ourselves into people. Um, also, some really contentious discussion about uh, all NBA teams this mm. season, positions and trying to get everyone in and all that sort of stuff. So, um, like the like the guy behind me, if uh, my, I've got my uh, virtual background at the moment, is the point guard Chris Paul, uh, who led the Phoenix Suns back to the NBA playoffs, back to 50 wins, uh, and hopefully to the promised land. But guys, let's let's just tick off a few boxes first. The non-controversial uh, picks for the various awards, and one of Adam's favorite Lakers during their uh, fallow years when they weren't making the playoffs is now the man in New York, and we discussed him briefly last time we chatted, Daniel, about the NBA, but Julius Randle uh, seems to be a mortal lock for the NBA's most improved player this season. Yeah, without a doubt. It's uh, it's good to see. You a proud dad, Adam? Oh, look. Randle, he just, he's an exciting player. He He's getting everything he deserves in New York. He's finally in the spotlight. He's... He's just one of those grit, determination players. And um, I don't think I've ever seen someone so aggressive on the offensive glass. But, yeah, Julius really, really sort of come into his own now that he's in New York. He had a bit of a stint. Where where was it? New Orleans, I believe. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, wow. Just the the Knicks are are sort of one of the stories of the season Mm. in the East anyway. He played. He played really well against uh, your Lakers, actually, not not long ago. You got a bit of a chip on his shoulder about that, I think. So I think we all saw that game, and uh, you know, going toe to toe with Anthony Davis. Of course, Anthony Davis not a hundred percent at the moment, but getting back to sort of game fitness. But Randall's game sort of reminded me a little bit of another Knicks scoring legend in Bernard King. It was that sort mm. of had that nice touch. Probably, you know, considering it's today's NBA, a little bit more range than Bernard, but uh, he was outstanding. And uh, the Knicks were went really went toe to toe with the Lakers, and and unfortunately for them, lost that game in overtime. But um, if there is one knock on the Knicks this season, it is that they've had a tremendously poor record in close games. But despite that, they have. Well, they finished. Let's have a look at. The, they like the fourth seed, didn't they? They did finish in the fourth seed. I'm just trying to look their record. They finished 41 and 31, um, which sort of would translate to with an extra 10 games, maybe like a 47 win season. So, yeah, in a normal length season. So, the number four seed, and uh, you know, despite a number of pundits writing them off in a first round series from the Hawks, um, I have them as favourites in that series, and I reckon. Most of it will be due, due, due to Julius Randle. I think they've probably got yep. the best player in the series. Well, not probably, you know, based on this season, definitely. 
Yeah, it's gonna. It's yeah, it's it's just good to see. I I, I don't know what else to say about New York. They've they've come out of nowhere, and, and it's I don't know. I'm pretty chuffed to see Randall at the head of that. Um, I really wanted him to land on his feet, and geez, he's done more than that. Definitely uh, in the discussion or in thereabouts for this for the MVP discussions, but uh, if, he's not, if he is not the most improved player in the league, um, I, there's something wrong with the system. There is. I think. I think we can all safely assume he's going to be most improved player when they name the awards. Mm-hmm. Speaking about former Lakers who are doing really well in other places and look like they're going to win awards. Um, there's probably a couple of uh, really viable candidates in Utah for sixth man of the year. One of them is our own Aussie Joe Ingles, but uh, another one is ex-Los Angeles Laker Jordan Clarkson, who's had a tremendous impact on the Jazz and their NBA best record this season off the bench. Um, There's certainly never any question about Clarkson's ability to score, but there probably was some question about his ability to contribute to a winning team, but this year has certainly put that to rest. He's uh, yeah no he's definitely definitely contributing he's I don't know until this season I guess he didn't really have a claim to fame rather than playing in Kobe's uh, illustrious final season so it's good to see him sort of step in the spotlight he's doing really well in uh, in Utah and all the best of luck to him until they face the Lakers and yeah deserves his award but I don't want him to win a chip this year I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Do yeah, we have I, any other suggestions for sixth man, Daniel? Other well, I mean, there are, a that, there are a couple that jump out. I mean, so, I mean, Ingles is, it's, it's in, the interesting thing is, right, um, you know, Jordan Clarkson's a very classic sixth man of the year winner, right? He's a scoring guard that comes off the bench and mostly comes off the bench, that is. Um, and, um, you know, has a, has a bit of flamethrower. Um, I mean, I guess one of the things about it is he's not, especially efficient um and uh for those who now that they exist and people use them people look at the advanced stats actually Ingalls has a much stronger case from that standpoint but he doesn't score as much and he's a less classic sixth man sort of candidate i mean joe Ingalls, uh, in terms of efficiency daniel is third in the league this season in true shooting percentage behind zubach of the clippers and yep Ingalls's teammate rudy gobert third in true shooting percentage as a perimeter player yeah. Um, so the other the other name that I've heard kind of thrown around as a as a one of the leading candidates for sixth man is last year's winner. Um, you know he's been. Um, but aside from I mean aside from him, you know no surprise really. Like he's he's kind of doing what he does, coming up mostly coming off the bench. The other sort of I guess names I've heard um, mentioned that seem like they might have a case. They're almost. They're always people we don't really think of as sixth men because we think of them as mostly starters. But like Derek Rose, for example, um, mm. I, I, I forget exactly what the game broke the games broke down as, but he, I think he may have finished the season having come off the bench more times than he started, which means he's technically eligible, even though people don't really think of him as a as a sixth man. So there are a couple like that, and again, you know, um, it's it's kind of one of those things, wasn't it? Like Red Auerbach who coined the like popularized the term and really he was talking about people who were kind of like that, who could start or come off the bench, 
that coming off the bench was something that they um, were able to be a, a role in which they were able to be very effective and that sort of stuff. So, well, I think it was first used to describe Havlicek when he came into the league in yeah. the NBA, and he came off the bench and he could play three or four positions. So they were able to meld the lineup around, and that that never changed. But he started and he's like, oh. Okay, so they're always supposed they're always able to have their best players on the floor because Havlicek would be able to move up and down the lineup as was required. So, well, you know, didn't didn't KD come off the bench once this uh, season? Called it a, an exercise and scored thirty five points or something. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I guess there are some so there are some names we don't normally hear talked about with that specific award because we mostly think of them as starters. But like Derek Rose had a great season and may technically qualify. There are a couple of other guys a bit like him. Mm. So, um, but I suspect, I suspect Clarkson's going to win. He's a very classic, you know, six man of the year type winner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Clarkson really stands out because of the scoring efforts. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, that, it's, you know, it's traditionally award that yeah. traditionally award that is, it's usually the best way to win the six man award is paid B. Yeah. Scorers off yeah. the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And in defense of his, um, I suppose his, uh, efficiency, he probably learned all that from Kobe. So, <laughs> Well, that last season, it was it was a lot of points off a lot <laughs> of shots and a lot more shots. Um, yeah, close to also... nine threes, close to nine threes a game off the bench. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Now let's give Daniel his due. Let's give him his opportunity to get involved with having a horse in the race. Um, <laughs> Rookie of the year, Anthony Edwards has had a, a, a statistically a season that would compare pretty favorably to sort of the mid table of rookies of the year over the years and it hasn't been a strong year because of James Wiseman essentially being benched um, halfway through the season which sort of coincided with Golden State becoming a lot more competitive Um, Lamelo Bulls injury which I think everyone thought Lamelo was going to win and he might still win despite the fact he missed something like 30 games Um, might have been a little bit more than that but uh, Anthony Edwards was like 17 18 points a game a very good 19.3 I'll have you know 19.3 19.3 points. Well, that's yeah. you know not far off 20 points. Um, and and got and his and his production got better as the season went on, which will help him with how people are remembering his season. They won't necessarily remember the start of the season, which might have been a bit slower, but how he finished strong. And the Timberwolves, much to the grin of some of their supporters, certainly did finish strong in the wins column. Um, I think I think I think. Edwards will win the Rookie of the Year, and I don't really have a problem with that, despite the fact I think we can all sit here and probably still think that LaMelo Ball might end up being the better pro over the course of his career. I, I'm, I'm, I'm less sure, and maybe it's just I've been hurt before, you know. Like, <laughs> But I'm looking at the numbers here, and in terms of, like, you know, obviously missed games have been the story of the season, right? Um, and they're going to affect a lot of the awards. I mean, in fact, most of the ones that are controversial are controversial in part because of missed games. Uh, but looking at, I mean, just looking at LaMelo Ball's uh, page on Basketball Reference right now, he's still, look, he played he played 51 games. Um, and amongst those who have missed substantial numbers of games, that's not, that's not, not as bad as some. He might, I reckon he might still win it, actually, given, mm. you know, how people feel about him uh, and have felt about him all season when he's been playing, basically. Um, you know, but I, guess, I guess the thing working against Lamelo might not specifically be the amount of games he missed, but he's missed games when Edwards has played his best basketball, and that's sort of been towards the end of the season. Lamelo's been back for like a week or two before the mm. 
And and Charlotte didn't immediately start winning. They sort of limped into the postseason, end up in the ten slots. So they're yeah. in like like the last the the team with the worst record that is somehow still alive. They haven't made the playoffs by the NBA's definition yet. Um, yeah, I mean now they've got to beat the Pacers and then this probably is, the Celtics. This is true. This is true. But they he has had an instant impact on that team. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like he has yeah. definitely. Turn, Charlotte are headed in the right direction, and a lot of that is to do with Lamelo. Um, well, I look. I'd say yes and no to that, actually, because you know he joined the team at a time when Gordon Hayward remembered who Gordon Hayward was, and Scary Terry became scary again. Um, like to the point where, like Devonte Graham was basically going to take his like eat Scary Terry's minutes last season, and this <laughs> season Scary Terry's looked really good. Um, the other thing is, you know, like on-off numbers, that sort of stuff, Lamellas have not consistently been as good. He's a rookie, right? He's going to be really good. But, you know, Hayward and um, Rozier have been more um, uh, influential in terms of like on-off numbers and stuff like that this season. Yep. So, look. But they were the, they were known quantities is my point. And then the, well, the rookie impact sort of adds that, those extra wins that you need to make the playoffs, I guess. I, I would I would modify that. I would say there were suspected quantities because you know Gordon Hayward has like not played. He hasn't been you know Utah Gordon Hayward for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know he never he never got there in in Boston. Uh, maybe in short stretches, and he left partly because he wanted to kind of have his bigger role and he was feeling healthy again. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you know Terry Rozier, we didn't really know what he was because he would never looked like scary Terry in Charlotte until this season. Um, oh. He played okay, but he was being outplayed by you know like the the rookie they'd intended to be his backup, right? Um, uh, in Graham, and he's you know he's he's come out to be like a legitimate scary yeah. offensive player this season. So, look, I think there are a few um, a few things that are kind of going for them. Lamella Ball has ended up in a good situation. Some people, um, sports guy Bill Simmons uh, being one have conspiracy theories about how he very strategically managed to get onto the um get onto Charlotte by uh tanking his interviews with the the teams with the top two picks. Thanks, man. <laughs> um but <laughs> as much as the um the T Wolves fan in me really would quite like it if uh, if Edwards won, I still I still think, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts by pundits who have votes and they all favour Mello. Um, even for the even for the this year's award. So, yeah, I think this will be a close one. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and I won't be like the only reason that would shock me if Edwards wins it is that it's us and <laughs> we don't win anything, <laughs> <laughs> except maybe the number one pick in the lottery. Which, which, which yeah. you have done a couple of you won last yeah, year yeah. and yeah. back to back. I hope we do because I really, really don't want to lose our pick in that trade as well as uh, as as Wiggins, who's suddenly good now. <laughs> like, anyway, fair enough. So, wading into more contentious or argue, argue, arguable uh, awards, let's cut. No, we're not. To the... I'm just being contentious. <laughs> let's cut to the chase. Defensive player of the year. Who you got? Defensive player of the year. Is it Gobert <laughs> or is it Ben Simmons? Come on, give the Aussie a crack. 
He can't shoot a three to save himself, but he can defend. Come on. Give the man an award. You know Gobert's going to get it, right? They do tend well, to like the big guys for this award specifically. Yeah. Yep. I uh, mean, it'd be amazing if um, if Simmons won it. But, yeah, I, I don't see Gobert not winning it. And I think that uh, there'll be, especially once all the – I mean, Gobert's probably the only Utah Jazz player who's a lock to make one of the All-NBA teams. There's no MVP candidate there, and Philly would have an MVP candidate if he had to miss a whole bunch of games, and he might still run top five. Um, well, there might be honest- a feeling to sort of give – you've had the best record. He, you know, here's, here's your flowers for the whole team. You know, because it is a more important award than six man, which they'll probably, which they'll probably win. So, yeah, look, I think as well, you know, early in the season, like probably for the first half of the season, I think um, if there was going to be a non-center who was going to get this, it it looked like it was going definitely going to be Simmons. Um, but I mean, you know, you look at the like the second half or even the last third of the season, and there are some other really really impressive non-center defenders, right? Like um, uh, Holiday, uh, Drew Holiday has just come home with a wet sail, you know. Like that, that that day he played on Kyrie was just amazing, mm. you know. Um, and it's the thing is, like the NBA players when they talk about who's hardest, who it, you know, who's hardest to score on or whatever, like his name comes up again and again and again, and he's never won it, you know. So, like, I think if it's not if it's not Gobert. Um, I mean, honestly, I think if he'd played more games, Embiid would would have been in with a really good shot, right? But um, yeah, if it's not if it's not Gobert, I'd love to say I'd love to say I think it would be Simmons, but I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely confident of that. He has played a very good defensive season, and he's like it's you know it's really is the the most important part of his game. I think um, uh, that that defense and that kind of switchable versatility that he brings. Um, but yeah, I think Gobert's going to win it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As much as I'd like to say Ben Simmons is going to take it out, I think Gobert's got it. Yeah. I agree. Now, can we start talking about the most valuable player award? Um, I've been sitting back. I've been asking you questions, but I'm going to give you this hot take. The most valuable player in the 2021 NBA season this season LeBron James. Steph Curry. It's been LeBron- Steph Curry. Oh wait, no, LeBron James said Steph Curry should be the MVP. Sorry, never mind. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, it's just so that when Curry wins the MVP and LeBron beats him in the play-on game, it's just another brick in that. This is the toughest championship I've ever won since Correct. last year when we Love were in the, the narrative. Bubble. Yeah, when LeBron was in the bubble and no one else was. Oh wait. Um. So no one else. What I want to know is the Phoenix wanna... Suns. Oh, they, they were there. They didn't lose in the bubble. No, and no. haven't lost much since. Um. When. <laughs> I mean, doesn't he like sleep in an isolation tank or something? Like, <laughs> he, he loves bubbles. He lives in bubbles. <laughs> oh, he God. lives in a bubble. He is the bubble boy. He eats bubbles um, for breakfast. Yeah. Moops. Um, have you seen a preview of Space Jam 2, have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, we're derailing your MVP discussion. That's okay. Here's my question about the MVP debate, which just infuriates me, right? Yes. Well, it's a question, and, it, and, it, and it's based on something that infuriates me. So the the Golden State Warriors have won 39 games. I went 39 and 33, right? 
why is it that an MVP is like it's important if you're the difference between your team winning 50 games and your team winning 30 games, but it's not important if you're if you're the guy who's the difference between your team winning 40 games and your team winning 20 games. These guys might have won. These guys might have gone 15 and 57 if Steph Curry didn't play this season. They might have dethroned. Yet they went 39 and 33. Franchise, yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. If the Golden State Warriors were in the Eastern Conference, they 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 would also be in the playing game. But um, that was <laughs> so that, <laughs> they would be the set. They'd be a whole spot higher. Um, they still won thirty nine games. Um, but you know they had like a forty five win season. Um, in a normal season, so Steph Curry's the like the oldest scoring champion just about ever, or certainly the oldest is MJ. He's averaged thirty two points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, he is 11th for true shooting percentage. He's the only guard out of the top 21. Everyone else is a forward or a center and most of the percenters. And, you know, to, to find a real volume shooter, um, I mean, Kyrie Irving, so the next comparable person in true shooting, he's at 41st, not 11th. So Steph is an incredible season. Yeah. Incredible season. And, you know, not to have any sort of detrimental effect on your sleep patterns for the next two nights, but absolutely someone you don't want to play in a one-game winner-takes-all playoff. Steph Curry's the yeah. MVP. I don't have a problem with Jokic winning it. He's had, a, he's had a transcendent season for a big guy. He's probably the best passer in that position since Bill Walton. He's added this shooting touch that we don't, none of us thought he really um, – Possessed last season before the bubble, he started to show mm. it in that Clippers series. You, you, don't, you don't put him ahead of Walton as a passer in that position. Well, I feel like the problem with the comparison is that Walton's grade will always be a little incomplete because he played so little. That's fair, but you got to remember. I mean, Bill that, Walton that's had a tr- that's Bill true. Walton but... had a middling team, and they were basically untouchable for twelve months when he was there, and then he got hurt. They won a championship. They were about to win another one. And he, everything was built around him. A lot of the same way Jokic is. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's angels on a pinhead type stuff. Jokic had a great season. Yeah. Embiid's um, had a great season. And I think Embiid are probably winning the MVP because it's a more traditional MVP-looking season um, if he had played, like, 10 more games. But I do think Steph's the MVP of the league because he is the most valuable player to his team. Philly didn't really lose much. When Embiid went down, we don't know. We haven't run the counterfactual with Jokic going down, um, but and I don't have a problem with you know it's very it's it's very tight. But I don't really have a problem with Jokic winning the MVP. But I just think you know Steph at his age, considering you know, particularly the injury last year, where he played. I mean, he played five games last season. So to come back and to do that was just incredible. Mm. The, the 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 argument about the discussion about who's the best shooter of all time should be over after this season. It really should. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, on on the discussion, is this one of the more even years for for an MVP discussion? There is have it, been. Is it actually more of an actual discussion this year, or is Jokic just Jokic with this Steph, this rogue Steph, coming in where it's at? I've heard a lot more credible arguments for different players this season than you normally hear. Certainly, That's, yeah. 
you know, like, like you could put a, a, in the top three. I think you could interview ten people, and sure, you'll probably get Jokic in that top two. But you, I reckon, all ten people would give you a diff. Would would have at least one, maybe two differences. Well, I think if you think about the ballots, which are five players, right? Yep. Like I think people might have the same top couple. Yep. But I bet they've got different, you know, four and five on their ballot, right? Yeah, for like, sure. Like, you know, I'd be, I'd be a bit, I'd be a bit amazed if, if Randall doesn't get a few votes. Yeah. I'd be surprised if Chris Paul doesn't get a few votes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Lillard. Um, I'd be surprised if Lillard doesn't get some votes. Yeah. Um, because I think the other thing is, it's been a real story of, uh, it's been a real story of the season, right? Like at the start of the season, everyone, what everyone was really arguing about was. Well, is it going to be LeBron for narrative and, you know, uh, expected Lakers excellence um, are coming to uh, coming to fruition? Or is it going to be, you know, like Embiid having a great season? They're the two that most people were, were focusing on really early on, right? Yep. They both had unfortunate injuries that kept them out for a while. And, you know, all of these other guys have emerged. Some of them, like, you know, CP3. Is having a very classic CP3 season, like career-wise. Uh, career-wide is having a very classic CP3 season. The numbers don't, like, blow your head off, but he's not a young guy, and he's, he's, he's having a, you know, like, you know, a, a, compa- a year that numbers-wise is comparable to his best in the past, you know? Yeah. Um, and his team, which went from kind of plucky and just missing out last season to um, just... You know, playing with playing at the top of the top of the standings all year long this this yeah. season, right? So yeah, I do think it's been more even, um, and it's been much more dramatic too because we've had all of these um, plot twists as people have gotten hurt or emerged. Like, who would have thought that before the season? Who would have thought, maybe apart from you, Adam, that Julius Randle would be in a conversation about? you know, getting MVP votes, even if they're... Uh, if- even I wouldn't have thought he was going to be in the yeah. MVP discussion. Um, yeah. Most improved, I was like, yeah, it's great to see him improving. But then you just see him take, go from strength to strength and become this hero of New York. Watching, him thoroughly, outplay, watching him thoroughly outplay AD for large stretches of that game. That was yep. amazing. And, um, yeah, so I do think, you know, it's... That it's a really, I think it's pretty close to sort to settled now, right? Yeah. But the, you look at it, and it's really been a, a great story over the course of the season, where you know, like we've had all these different people uh, named, and none of them seemed ridiculous at the time, right? Yep. Yeah. And then we've got, I feel like, got I Luca. Feel like... I want to. I want to. I want to talk about Luca Doncic though. You, oh, Andrew, yeah. you touched on impact on a team. And there, there was there was points through the season where Dallas didn't even look like making the playoffs. Yeah, so, and, and, and Luka I mean, got them to what was it fifth seed, fifth or sixth? I think it's the number five seed. It's the five. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers helped seed. them out by they, losing a stack of games, but I got the Clippers again. Yeah. Um. So Denver ended up grabbing the number three seed. So well, I mean, we'll get to the playoff settings. Um. I think Doncic was hurt by everyone's high expectations of him going into the season. Yeah, true. And the fact that that first month sort of everyone put their line through it, through the Mavericks, because they didn't play well and he, was, he wasn't he was playing well and he did 
he did look a little bit out of shape. So he's never going to look like he had his COVID COVID um bod on. Yeah, but he's never going to be Kevin Garnett in terms of a physical specimen. He's going to be Luca. Yeah, he's going to be Luca, and it sort of doesn't doesn't matter. He's yeah. the guy you played on when he's sort of like the guy who when you're walking into the stadium to play Thursday night and he's out there, you know, take having a Peter Jackson 35 mild and then he goes in and he just drops 30 on you from the corner. <laughs> um, but I, I do think, Daniel, do I have permission to derail my own discussion about the MVP? We touched <laughs> on this and we, you were missed last time, Adam, but you were oh, missed boy. specifically with this. Oh. So obviously there was a, a lot of momentum earlier in the season for LeBron James to win the MVP. Yep. My question is this. Which season which he didn't win it should he have won? Because I, I have an answer. Last season. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm going to give him a purple and gold season, of course. Yep. Yeah. I'm happy to concede um, that if the season had not been interrupted last season, he probably would have gone on to win the MVP. Um I think the the seat the, the great LeBron season where he didn't win the MVP was the MVP that Kobe won in two thousand and eight. Mm. Mm. I'm I'm taking one away from the purple and gold. Oh, having said I that, having said there. that, having said that, I'm happy to concede that that. I mean, and this goes back to my discussion about you know why we why teams have to be you know like top four seeds to have a guy who can win the MVP. The Kobe MVP season was the season he hit. All those points where he averaged 35 points a game. He hit the 80, he hit the 81, so he hit like the 60 in three quarters, which was a Steve Nash MVP season. Yes. Yeah. Steve, none of Steve Nash's, neither of Steve Nash's MVP seasons looked like traditional MVP, MVP seasons. Yeah, he yeah, averaged true. like 16 points a game for those two seasons. Okay. He was averaging 11 or 12 assists. And I think everyone who watched basketball and lamented the way basketball was heading thought that we were never ever going to see anyone average double digit assists again, right? This is you know, true. 15, six, 15, 16 years down the road, Russell Westbrook has averaged 16 assists a game for an entire month, and we're all like... So wait, yeah. wait, wait. This is, this is, Knock is yourself this four out, seasons or five seasons of Westbrook averaging a triple-double. Yeah. I know you can selfishly a- average 11 assists a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on the Westbrook... Uh... You can selfishly tra- tr- chase a triple double, but you know, at the end of a game. But you need to have the first eight or nine. You know, you can't be chasing your triple double if you start the fourth quarter with three assists. Yeah, let me yeah. play with the guy that's super selfish, trying to get everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It just, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you disagree, but feel free to comment on our Facebook page or something and tell us how well tell us how Adam and I are doofuses. Daniel's kept his counsel, but. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are arguments to be made about assist distribution. Like, it, it is part of what's what kind of goes into the astronomical usage rates as well, right? Mm. Um, so, like, you know, um, if you look back at, I, I think it was, uh, there's a, a YouTuber called the NBA Storyteller who made this case, which was that um, championship teams very generally have an extremely um, wide assist distribution, which is to say most championship teams don't have a double-digit assist guy because they have a lot of team assists, but they're spread out a lot with the team. Yeah, this is what the Jazz would be doing this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not making the argument about him being selfish, averaging that many assists, just that, uh, you know, I suppose one way you might bend things around and try to make that argument is that the assist distribution is very pointy because the assists are very focused on him in that team. Yeah, fair. Like, it, so it might, that's more of a strategic point than a this guy's selfish point, right? Like, maybe yeah. it's better to move it more. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not making the... I, I, would, I would potentially make the argument that Westbrook is not maybe the best decision maker, particularly when it's important. <laughs> um, I think Bill Simmons calls him a great, 46, great first 46-minute player and a, a terrible last two-minute yeah. player. And yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, like he's so, he's so frustrating to watch sometimes because he clearly has these amazing physical gifts and he's got this great motor and he's amazingly athletic and he takes care of his body and he has, um, you know, great reflexes and all that sort of stuff. And then he'll just make terrible decisions at the worst time sometimes. At the end of the well, just to, to but he'll win games for you. Politi- political yeah. on you, isn't it? Good that he's in Washington. <laughs> and making bad decisions, it's it's cut. <laughs> Any, just laugh, Andrew. You know you want to. Well, he arrived and the Donald <laughs> disappeared. It was like passing in the night. So, <laughs> have you ever seen them in the same place? I never have. Yeah. Russell Westbrook makes oh, bad basketball decisions. Let's let's not let's not be. <laughs> Needlessly flippant. Request sort of so the comes... US to have this podcast taken down. Yeah, yeah. So just just so this doesn't bite me on the bum later when I'm pursuing a different career path. Um, <laughs> um, taking a Russell just... Westbrook quote out of context. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wait a sec. Wait a sec. Let me let me do my Simmons impersonation. Don't aggregate this. Don't do it. Um. So just one one very quiet. Uh, MVP candidate, he won't win. He won't come close to winning because uh, he's won the last two. But, you know, just looking at the season he's had and the performance of his team, uh, Giannis is having another great season. In fact, he's showing some growth in areas he was previously very poor at. He's finishing better than he did. Um, He's playing a slightly different style. He's shown an ability to actually go on um, hot distant hot shooting streaks from distance, which is new. Um, He's shown a few games where he's, uh, he's actually like, clearly I think he's had some version of the yips from the free throw line, particularly in high leverage moments for certainly the last few seasons. He's shown some signs that that's less of a problem, at least in some games. Yeah. He's not going to win it, but you know, like his, his season justifies consideration, even if the narrative is totally against him because He's already won the last two, um, but yeah, I think that's you know it, it's it's worth just acknowledging. I think he's had a great season again, um, you know, comparable to his two MVP years. In fact, better than his first one in I, a lot I of ways. To, I I tend to agree, but the fact that Milwaukee has had such a low key season is probably the reason Giannis isn't being spoken about more. Well, it's also Milwaukee. Yeah. Right. Like it's a it's a it is a team that um, it's not it's not a, a massive, you know, big market team. Mm. Um, you know. It's not like the New York story yeah. that's sort of it's dominating not, the headlines. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not the kind of it's not it's no one's kind of glamour team, and they do tend to get talked about just generally a bit less than they probably should, given mm-hmm. how consistently good they've been as a regular season team. Yeah, and you never sure. know. You never know. We might all get surprised and find out that they've picked up a few things from all those playoff losses. About well, maybe maybe they have become they've, they've realised that it's not the um, the regular season where they need to step step up. Well, yeah, it's like I think a big part of it is this is going to be the first. I mean, people have kind of forgotten, but what are they? The third seed? Yeah, third yeah. in the East. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they've been unheard of. Yeah. So, but maybe maybe they're just bad front runners, right? Like they're going to be going into this uh, postseason with a high seed that no one expects anything from. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Um, Unfortunately, they've got their, their, their roadmap is one of it promises to be one of the historically toughest because it looks like they're going to have to they're going to have to beat in order Miami, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and then whoever wins the West. Yeah. So to Look, win the championship, yeah, it's going to be tough. Speaking to the point about the um, the MVP always going to one of the top few teams, or almost always going to one of the top few teams, I think yep. given that we've got you know actual humans voting, I think the fact that it does always tend to go to, or almost always tends to go to someone on one of the best few teams, it just feels like... It feels more like um, you know getting, some, getting a team over the hump, or uh, they feel like those games are more relevant, right? Like, mm. you know, the first 10 games are easier to win than the second 10 games over over a season, you know? Like, 20 games, you know, increasing you from 20 to 40 wins might be, uh, might be less difficult than going from, you know, 40 to... Well, those numbers are way too big. But you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, the, the total number actually is relevant. Plus, the games seem to matter more. Um, and... I think as well, these voters are members of the media, right? They're pundits who talk about their opinions and some of them are very public about who they vote for as well. Yeah. And they also need to think about things like their reputation. If they vote for, I just say, for example, right? Bradley Beal has been toiling away and performing individually extremely well over the last few years, right? He was going to come up, what, second in scoring this season. Um, uh, Imagine if he won... MVP on a team with Washington's record, right? Now, you know, they're kind of struggling around the, the they've been struggling around the edge of the play in. They've had some good stretches, but imagine how it would play if he won if he won it, right? Yeah. Um and the defensibility that the um that would need to be dealt with by the those who voted him in, right? I do think there's, you know, an element of an element of that. Um Bill's probably not the best example because he plays in the same backcourt as a guy who just averaged 22, 11, and 11 for an entire season. Well, sure. So, okay. Well, say say they wanted to give it to, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Zach Levine or something. You know, someone who's playing really well. Well, wait, he did he did what everyone wanted him to do, right? He's he's definitely better. He's he's much less of an empty calories guy, this empty stats guy this season, right? But just say, right? Say someone who's playing really well for a team that's really bad. Say they gave it to Cat. Oh, hang on, let me think. Okay, sorry, I just had a moment. But anyway, say that, <laughs> say that you know, a, a really, really bad team with one player that's playing really well and he won the MVP, right? It's hard to defend. It's hard to defend. Um, yeah. And even when they award it to a really good regular season player who's, um, you know, 
not LeBron or MJ who go on to win the championship, right? They they cop flack for that anyway, right? Yeah. So I th- I do think there's um, and somehow you know, they managed to avoid giving MJ a third MVP in a row. He he won five. He never won three in a row. Adam, can you tell me the last guy to win three MVPs in a row? Three MVPs in a in a row. Yeah, don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> I want you to say it. It was Larry Joe Bird of the <laughs> Boston Celtics. So, as a, it sounds like a long time ago. It sounds like a long time ago, Andrew. I don't know why you're, you're <laughs> well, dra- dragging up such old statistics. We're old. Um, <laughs> just for the record, I'm happy for you guys to read yours out if you have them handy. But uh, my, you, you know, if I had a ballot, if I was king, all NBA teams, first team. Curry, Doncic, Randall, Giannis, Jokic. Second team, Lillard, Paul, Ka- uh, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. And third team, Beal, Booker, Playoff P, Zion, and Gobert. I haven't done any homework, so I, I, won't, I don't have a ballot. <laughs> so you, t- you arrive late dis- and leave I'm early like a Laker fan. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got one. I got one. This is a PG show, isn't it? This is a PG show, right? Well, I just named him in the third team, but it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, it's fine. Is there anyone I missed? Where, where did you, you have it's egregious? Yeah, where no, did you, where not did... really. So, who's your third team again? Neil Booker, George, Zion, and Gobert. And did you have Kawhi? He was in my second team. Yeah, look, I think is I think um. Kind of like the uh, the MVP race, which now kind of well, it hasn't been awarded yet. But looking back on the season and the the kind of the stories we've gone through, we've seen some really quite um, some quite great kind of emergences of, of players this season. Um, like you know, the idea that Randall would be on an All NBA team this season again, you know, maybe not as remote as the idea that he'd be in the MVP conversation, but I wasn't expecting it. Um, no, I don't think many no. people were. I think around All Star, I was starting to think it. Um, but yeah, you know, look, I guess I'd probably have a lot of the same names uh, spread across the, the teams. I might have promoted and demoted a few. Um, I haven't kind of written down my picks or anything. Um, but I've listened to a lot of, like, listened to and read a lot of people's, you know, NBA all NBA teams, um, over the last few weeks, and um. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, that they're all kind of defensible. Uh, I will say, like, a lot of the um, the ones I've encountered, a lot of the other people's picks for All-NBA, the Randall is a, Randall on the first team is a brave choice that they've, um, uh, most most of the other people have, have kind of uh, shied away from. They've tried to include him, but not necessarily on the first team. I do love that Zion's on, on your team, though. I, um, he shot 60%. Uh well, guys, those guys can never. I'm, I'm, I'm not off the Zion bandwagon yet. I've read them uh, in the playoffs both years in my preseason, and I'm just going to keep riding it because one of these days I'm going to be right. Zion, Zion on. get above that eleventh yeah. spot. That's right. The Spurs still have a chance of making the playoffs. Well, they haven't made the playoffs yet, Adam. I'm not wrong yet. They haven't made the, the door playoffs. is still ajar. The door is They're still ajar. They're going to beat Memphis yeah. and then one of the Lakers or Golden State. Now let's face it. I have, I have faith in Coach Pop. <laughs> if they beat the Lakers to keep them out of the playoffs, I will be happy that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Fair point, fair point. But, but um, 
to be fair, I'll be happy as long as the Warriors beat the Lakers. Smart ass. Um, I think you've missed an award, and you've got a you've got a horse in this race. Coach of the year. Yes. How do I mean? This one always seems to me to be a bit like best director at the Oscars. <laughs> I want you to explain to me how they decide this. It just this is you this know, is the kind of year where I I really want to know how they they vote on this. Yeah. Well, who's your pick? Ads. I'm actually I I'm not on the the coach Thibodeau. I'm I think Monty Williams deserves it. I'd I, like to I, I mean, I didn't I didn't think this was going to happen to us this season, and and what we were eight and eight. I think the Jazz happening. were closer to there to a to a top I mean, two finish than Phoenix were at the start of the year. So it's not as unexpected that the Jazz finished. I, in, in the in the top spot, I I think the Suns are much more impressive finishing that the record they did. I think we all expected you. Uh, well, certainly I expected Utah what they did last season. I expected them to do it last season. I was going to be I had them I, in the top four seed last season, but it sort of took two years to come together. They've returned essentially the same roster, and you know I thought okay, well they traded for Mike Conley and Mike Conley's washed, and that clearly wasn't mm. the case. So. So my 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 other part of this is maybe we don't give it to to Monty Williams, and we give it to the gentleman that you've got as your background at the moment of Coach of the Year. Well, I actually I actually think that's probably um, that probably that probably does hurt uh, Monty's case, not because he doesn't deserve it, but because kind of like how having two really 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 good players on a really really good team might mean that neither of them ends up winning MVP, right? Mm. Um, uh, it's like, well, there's clearly been so- some of it is Chris Paul effect and some of it is good coaching. Yeah. And how do we tell what's what? Because Chris Paul is such a smart, influential player, right? How do you tell what's him? Where, <laughs> whereas in New York, in New York, the fact that they all play defense and what Thibodeau has done everywhere he's gone to in the league to be either a head defensive assistant or a head coach is he arrives and they immediately teams immediately play better defense so correct and that that's the reason that and randall's you know making two explosion well, and and, um, and like and barrett's improve like barrett's continued mm. improvement you know has been really uh valuable and the use the the substitution patterns with uh with rose like he's been used really well taj gibson has come in and made a you know a difference in places but Rose has been a real story since he came over, right? Yep, agreed. Um, so I think, I mean, I think Thibodeau is a really solid pick for it. Um, I guess other other guys, I think maybe just thinking about, maybe they won't win it this year, but who I think have done maybe underrated jobs, right? Doc Rivers in mm-hmm. Philly, right? Like it's it's a pretty, it's not identical, but it's a pretty similar roster to one that they've underachieved with, right? And they've um, he's gotten more out of well, Joel. They made a playing. few changes. Denny Green and Seth Green were brought out. They got they moved Richardson on. It, it was a little different. They brought in yeah. Dwight Howard. Yeah, I mean this this is true. This is true. But like, I mean, just even and again, how much credit goes to the player? How much credit goes to the coach? But Embiid is playing with a mindset he hasn't played with before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing like the guy we all hoped he would. Like he's he's. He's today's Shaq, right? Like he's playing, he's playing like he should play, as opposed to not playing like he should play. Um, yeah. Another guy who, again, maybe 
you wouldn't say he's making a lot out of a little. But on the other hand, he's he's wrangling some of the most complicated personalities of any coach in the league, and that's Steve Nash, right? He's got this amazing talent on his roster. Um, and how much drama has come out of there? Like, you know, have we heard about Steve Nash fighting with players? Have we heard a single, like, quotable bad word or open expression of frustration from him when... Kyrie needs to go away for a little while or any of that, mm. right? Like, you know, this isn't, this ain't the Clippers of last season, right? We're not hearing about the old guys and the new guys grumbling about, grumbling at each other, you know, and we've had open events that have happened that have been drama, you know, we've had injuries, we've had, um, you know, like I say, Kyrie needing to go away from the team for, you know, um, for Kyrie for reasons, for Kyrie reasons, right? Um, and, somehow that hasn't derailed them, right? They all still seem to be on the same page. And Steve Nash is somehow, and he's, you know, we know he's got a great bench. He's picked really good assistant coaches to work with him, right? Yep. Um, but that's part of the job. That's part of what being a head coach is. And he's sort of yeah. been on a really loud, noisy team. He's been a really quiet achiever in that, I think. So, I don't look, I don't think he'll win it. Um, maybe if they run away with the playoffs or something, he might get some extra kind of late, pardon me, uh, late play. But it's a regular season award, like all of them are. And he has quietly done a lot. Uh, I don't yeah. know if he'll get recognized for it, but I think he's quietly done a whole lot. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of coaches that that have done really well this season. Um, one that hasn't done so well, but did has it has been tweeted about is uh, Luke Walton will still be the helm in Sacramento. Um, so Kings fans can, can rest easy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh so, boy. um, I mean, the stuff, the historical stuff that's working against a guy like Nash is that we do have a breed of, we do have a specific goat, uh, in terms of NBA coaching, who was the guy who, you know, became the, Oh, we've got an underachieving group of talent let's bring this guy in and uh that was phil jackson uh who did it in la in 2000 the nba coach of the year that year was doc rivers for him getting all orlando magic to 500 so phil jackson won the coach of the year once um when the bulls won 72 games that was the, the one he won uh Takes a lot to get a coach of the year award, doesn't it? If you feel, yeah, Jackson. yeah. So I just, and that was his only one. Um, I just make the point that he, that there, seems like was, an argument was, for Monty, though, doesn't it? There was a slight difference between his starting roster well, at the start of the ninety four season and the start of ninety five season. He uh, added Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Don Nelson has, yeah. So Popovich has won it three times, um, but it's odd. When he's won it, he's two, only two of his championship seasons. So um, Nick Nurse won it the year after he won the championship. Um, D'Antoni won it twice uh, in two different places. It's it's interesting how and, and you that's why you I can't don't quite know wrap my great... head around yeah um, whether there's any sort of pattern to that um, formula criteria. Yeah, for example, in the AFL, when they used to give an All Australian Coaches Award. Um, it ended up, I mean, it was usually named like two weeks before the end of the finals 
And the AFL community became so incensed that the guy who was coach of the year kept not winning the premiership that they just changed the rules so whoever wins the premiership is the All-Australian coach, which is sort of ridiculously reductive. Um, well, you just named the All-Australian team as the 22 premiership players. I mean, really. So You sure cut it. It's um, yeah. It, it, I, I, I think the story about my lack of interest for Coach of the Year is TNT Inside Tracks ruined it for me uh, because they go in the huddles and it's just like, we're going to play hard. Come on, guys, get your heads in the game. And I'm just like, yeah, it's probably what my what the coach of the under-16s at Sunshine says to the kids. You know, it's just like, what? why is this guy an NBA coach and not someone else? That's what I want to know. But yeah. apparently... Apparently, the actual interesting stuff they can't use. So, um, I don't know. Is it, is it is it the award for guy who did most with least? Because then I think it probably is Thibodeau. Um, guy who made the biggest difference to his team. I mean, Monty was coach of Phoenix last season. And that sort of... That might go in their it favor. Started, it started promisingly and then it trailed off and then it was picking up towards the, the you know, the enforced break due to the pandemic. And then they came back into the bubble and they won eight out of eight games. Um, so. And still missed the playoffs. Yeah. Thanks to Karis <laughs> Levert short arming that shot to beat the Blazers. Um, 27% chance at, a, at, a, at keeping your pick this year, Daniel, 27% chance. Good percentages. Good percentages. That's. Do you play roulette if you were getting 27%, wouldn't you, Adam? Uh, maybe. I'll play roulette either way. I <laughs> 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 you play roulette. Okay, so the, we're recording this on the Tuesday night our time. Wednesday, the Eastern Conference playing games are on, which is if you are all – and we've mentioned it. I just mentioned footy, but if you, if you know the old Final Four system, um, it's sort of like that where the seven and eight teams are like the top two teams. They had the double chance. So the winner is straight through to the playoffs. The loser has to play the winner of the other game. And then the the winner of that preliminary final sort of like gets the eighth seed. So um, it's Boston-Washington tomorrow. That's a win and in game. Um, the winner of that game goes on to play the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and the loser has to play the, the winner of Indiana-Charlotte for the honor of playing the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Thursday... Uh, and I've already told Rose, um, I'm busy between like ele- like 12 when, when the Lakers-Warriors game starts and however many overtimes that'll take. Um, <laughs> winner of that game plays uh, my Phoenix Suns and then the loser plays the plays the winner of Memphis and San Antonio, so they play Memphis. And, uh, and then that team then plays the Utah Jazz. So, um, the, Should the, we talk the, about the play-in? And how and feelings yes. about the play-in? Well, yeah, do we really want to have feelings about the play-in? I'm on the <laughs> record that I think I, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm. I don't have a huge problem with this season because the regular season is sh- much shorter. And it's ten games shorter, but I don't like it because I think it, it for me it devalues the regular season a little bit, and it's also a little bit everybody gets a trophy day, and. Yes, I, I mean, I can rationally, we can rationally talk about all the numbers about, you know, seven seeds and eight seeds don't win championships and all that sort of thing. But um, in shortened seasons, uh, some, some weird stuff tends to happen. I think uh, 
Wasn't it the Grizzlies beat the Spurs in that lockout season when the Spurs were the one seed and the Grizzlies were the eight seed? That's yeah, uh, yeah, the Grizzlies. NBA yeah. lockout season, the fifty game season. That was the season the Knicks made the uh, won the East from the eight spot. Um, so there is a little bit more chance of this happening in one of these compressed weird seasons rather than the eighty two game season. Um, yes, I, I mean I, I know what it's done for the regular season in term in terms of keeping teams interested. That doesn't always work. Ask Chicago Bulls fans who, you know, after the trade deadline and, you know, got worse somehow. Um, I think what it does is it kind of polarizes teams more, actually, during the, um, uh, during the kind of last third of the season, particularly, right? Like, if, if a team wants to tank, they tank really, really, really hard from that point. Um, unless not everyone's got experience here, unless and unless not everyone on the team has gotten the damn memo, right? (laughs) (laughs) They tank really, really hard, and the others are trying, right? So I think while you can say it devalues the regular season, um, I would argue that for a lot of teams and a lot of those situations, particularly in the later part of the season, those games had no value, right? Like. People weren't watching. the the kind of the seedings were basically sorted. So I, I my personal preference would actually be to keep a short season and keep a play in because you know what we can argue about the merits of having a play in per se and what it does to the regular season and stuff like that. But tell me you don't want to watch them. Like tell me you don't want to watch those games. They have an yeah. excitement and sure, like the the trophy they get for winning out of the play-in tournament is a seventh or an eighth seed and they're going to lose, right? Almost certainly, right? Because that's what seventh and eighth seeds do. But, <laughs> but, well, unless you get a really unusual seventh or eighth seed coming out of it, right? You mean like the Los Angeles Lakers who have just got LeBron and AD back? Well, and they'll have had a bit of play and run by then, right? <laughs> Where's Andrew gone? <laughs> I was banging my head against the table. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, there's a world and it's not a super, super crazy out there world where after the play-in tournament, the Lakers and the Warriors are both in the playoffs, right? And mm. like... Um, and then a couple of weeks later, like Phoenix and Utah are out of the playoff race. Could happen. Have so I think if it was just the top eight, Lakers and the Warriors would both be in the playoffs. That wouldn't change. They'd be the seven and eight seed and... Yeah, but we would be like his sons in the first but, round. But yeah, but we wouldn't be getting to see them in a win or die, or uh, you know, we like win or win. Spurs a tiny sliver of Kevin chance. Yeah, that's just you. The playoffs. I just told you Memphis are beating them. <laughs> They're plucky, but you know. But think about think about it like this, though. Right? Look at the East, and. Oh. No, really. Look at the East. <laughs> you've got, but you've got the Celtics. Who I can't believe the Celtics are fighting for a spot. Well, I can. Their team's trash. Like aside from this, the thing is, right? Sorry. They're just, they're just not that good out of the outside of the you know their best players. That they're, they're not as balanced as they've been in the past. You know, does this does this uh, make an argument that Brad Stevens is not as good a coach as he was made out to be? I think it makes a 
I actually think it makes a stronger case for Danny Ainge not being as good a like executive as he's been made up to be. Actually, yeah, yeah, like, not, had not all the, the, they had all the power not long ago, and yeah. they just got rid of they, they've got well, nothing left. Well, yeah, but why do they have nothing? Because people dislike them enough to leave for nothing, right? Thanks, like, people Kyrie. Are leaving. Kyrie started it. Yeah, but like you know, Hayward's gone, right? Yeah, that uh, was Horford, Horford left for nothing. Right, that was silly. That was yeah. You're right. You're right. Like, and part of the reason I think is the way that uh, Thomas got treated gave people a message, right? You know, and yeah, that sent a very clear, clear message. Well, watch this space in terms of like how free agents and potential uh, free agents, or you know, those with coming up for extensions, behave in New Orleans. Let's see, because you know. JJ Reddick came out after he left against his will, or at least left to a place he hadn't intended to go. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of poured some, um, poured some acid on that relationship. Right. Uh, and gave a, a kind of an open, very public warning to potential free agents at the Pelicans that they will not take care of you. Right. Um, mm. and, I think that there is a certain amount of what's happened in the Celtics over the last, you know, few se- few off seasons, particularly, that is a backlash against their front office, um, and particularly yes. the person of Danny Ainge, who's never, to be honest, like to be fair, like has never claimed anything that sentiment had anything to do with his job. Right? He doesn't, right. you know, he he'll trade you, he'll tell you he's trading you, whatever. But the um, I guess the situation with IT seems to have been something of a turning point. A lot of their important vets left. Yeah. Um, and it does, it has uh, left their, their young guys in a position where they've got to be the leaders and sh- set an example. And maybe they're not ready for that part of their role as stars yet. Yeah, fair. Agreed. So, yeah, I don't think they're, I actually don't think it's a super strong roster top to bottom. I think Tatum and Brown are amazingly good. I think Kemba, when he's healthy and confident, is a really, really good compliment for that, like a really, really good player to have around. I think they've got some good talent, but who else have they got? Taco Fall. Yeah. Who freaks freaks all the other players out for a few minutes when he does play, right? But he's not yet their center of the future. Yeah, no. He was getting getting all-star ballots as a joke. Caruso, on the other hand, that man deserves an all-star jersey. Anyway... (laughs) You could ask LeBron for one of his. Um, um, uh, now, we know on this podcast we do not advocate gambling, but and I'm not going to name the betting agency whose quotes, whose odds I am quoting. But Boston are dollar seventy five to win tomorrow's game, and the Wizards are two ten. That's <laughs> you. That's, I'm just. Get by on the way, the Lakers are dollar forty eight, and Golden State are two sixty seven for Thursday's game. Yeah, just, I, I think I'm I, not. I think I'm not like, suggesting a Washington <laughs> into Golden State multi, but just just saying though, like play in tournament again. Looking at the East, right? Are the Hornets all healthy yet? Because Ball's back. You know, have they got everyone? Have they got everyone back yet? They could be. A, I think that'd be an interesting they, game. They could potentially be a really interesting potential. Like, given who's actually in the uh, in the play in in that conference, right? The Hornets potentially could be a real spoiler for someone, potentially, right? They 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 went three and seven in their last ten. The only team with a worse record in their last ten games that are still playing are the Spurs, who went two and eight. 
in their last 10. So, well, well, sure. But when, when healthy and when kind of playing up to speed, like they're dangerous in, in a tournament, in a tournament style comp, they only have to be good, you know, like a couple of games in a row to get it. Um, I'm just saying like they could, they could either get in or they could, um, you know, they could give someone a, a like a tougher a tougher journey and tie them out a bit on their way through to get in. So I'm just saying, like the East is the East play in is interesting. The the West play in, you kind of expect that the people who are going to come out of it are the people who would have gotten in anyway under the old system, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. just the makes East... the Suns and the Jazz fret a little bit more before those those series start. Yeah. Yeah, and their prep is not all about their. Um, you know, their their first round matchup because they've got to prep for the play in first. So yeah. Fair enough. So who do who do we have coming out of those play in matches? So let's start with the East. Boston versus Washington seven eight winner winner straight through and then Indiana and Charlotte have to win two games. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Westbrook here and, and say that uh Washington win the win the game the win it in. Yep. And I think Indiana end up. I, I don't know when. Like I think Indiana beats Charlotte. I agree. I don't. I don't know if Boston win that match, but I think Boston win. Okay, so Boston get the eight seed yeah. and play Philly again. Yep. 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 Yeah, I, I I agree. Yep. Um, Daniel, I honestly. I, I don't really trust the Celtics or the Wizards very much. For me, it's a bit of a coin flip. I think in a single game, you could get the Westbrook that just wins off his own hand, or you can get the Westbrook that just throws it all away. Um, I, I, I think current on current momentum, I would pick the Wizards to win it, but I'm not super confident about that. <laughs> Um, Understandable. Yeah, um, I think the Celtics. I think the Celtics probably beat whoever comes out of Pacers Hornets. Probably. Um, Although the Pacers are a smoky on that, I don't think it's a, a lock. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like who wins that first game, uh, that is a hard one. If do we know if all the Hornets are healthy? I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure whether they are or not. Have they still got anyone out? I I actually, I'm, I'm not sure if Hayward's playing. Yeah, okay. If Hayward's, if Hayward's not playing, I will I will probably pick the Pacers with moderate confidence. But I actually want to watch that game, right? Mm. Like, I don't think it's it's obvious the Pacers are going to win. And I don't think it's obvious that the Celtics, probably the Celtics, are going to beat whoever comes out of that either. Um. So, yeah, I think ultimately I have the same picks as, as you guys. But I like to emphasize that I don't have huge confidence that those are definitely right because yeah. I, I don't I don't fully trust any of them. And I think it's a lot more even than it is in the West. Let's go to the West Western Conference. Um Lakers, Golden State, who you got? Lakers. Calamity surprise. Mm. Daniel? Uh oh, for me this is a tough one. I actually think the Warriors might win that first one. I think the Lakers won't miss it, but I think they might end up reversing positions on the um uh in the seedings. I think like might might end up with eight. Um not that they'll mind by the time it actually gets to round one. But um 
Yeah, I think the Warriors might win that first one. Um, no team in the NBA has a better record in the last 10 games of their season than the Golden State Warriors, and the Golden State Warriors have the longest winning streak in the NBA. They've won six in a row. I mean, Lakers have got the second longest. But <laughs> we, I was going to say, we've yeah. just won five in a row. So, um, I think, It'll be a uh, good match. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the Grizz should win the uh uh should win that that I guess less relevant play in game because I think they're gonna lose to whoever wins sorry, to whoever loses uh the Lakers Warriors game. So yeah, I think the Gri- the Grizz will win uh and then lose to the Lakers, and I think we'll end up with uh the Warriors as a seven seed, the Lakers as an eight seed. Uh, the scare one of the scariest eight seeds in history, though. Um, that that's my that's my uh, my pick. I'm just going to push my chips into the middle of the table. I know they've oh, won boy. five in a row, but the Warriors and the Grizzlies are going to make it through. I'm just going to. I'm just let's let's just let's just do the best. Case, remember the best case scenario for the Suns is just the just the Lakers don't win the first game. I don't really care what happens after that, but. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we're talking but, about dream scenarios. Dream so what scenario. happens is the Lakers win and the Spurs beat the Grizzlies, then beat the Warriors to finish eighth seed and the Spurs make the playoffs. Yeah. And then oh, they because pre- of preseason picks, right? Yes, yeah. correct, correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's it. I'm just, I, this is, I, this, this, this will, this will be going to air probably before the Western Conference games, but during or after the, the Eastern Conference games. On Wednesday, Australian time. So, but um, Golden State will be the seventh seed, and Memphis will be the eighth seed. I'm, I'm actually really excited about the possibility that the Lakers might be the scariest eight seed of all time. Just saying. <sighs> now you, but Andrew won't mind that because the Suns are the second seed, not the first seed. Yeah, my boy yeah. Valachunas in Memphis, who's had an incredible season. Well, put it this way: he only picked the Grizz because he's scared of the Lakers. Just saying. Yeah, this is true. Fair enough. This is what Everybody's happens. scared of the Lakers. Okay. Well, yeah. LeBron and AD have just come back, and if they stay healthy, it's it's scary. Okay, well, let's get the sheet music out and play the real waltz in terms of. I, mean, I think this is only a debate in the Western Conference. Yeah. Do any either of those play-in teams have a serious chance of getting out of the first round? I'll just ask Daniel because Daniel's like, yes, the Lakers are going to win the championship. You're talking about in, in the in the West. Best in the narrative West. ever. Do the Lakers or the Warriors, Memphis or San Antonio, do any whoever comes out, do they have a chance of getting out I of the think, first round? I, I think <laughs> I think the Lakers and the Warriors both have a chance. I actually in a in an, in a series, in a seven game series, I think the Lakers chance is against anyone is is better than the Warriors chance in a, a longer series. Okay, let me put it um, this way. If you had $10 that you could only use, it was only of any value to you if you bet it on the, on someone, would you bet on the Warriors or the War, or the Lakers to win a first-round series? If I had to pick one of them, I'd, 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 no, pick, you, like, I'd pick the no, Lakers no. first-round series, yes. So, say you've got $10 and you have to put it on either, you have to put it on someone in that first-round series. Uh, yeah, I'm not phrasing this right. But what I'm saying is if you had no choice, but you, you know... So wait, wait. Would you bet on the Lakers or the Warriors to win one of their first round series? So either of them, and I get the ten, and I, I, I win. That's all you. No, you you have to make the bet. 
Yep. Or you don't make the bet. You can keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the bet is one at least one of them wins their first round series. Are any of them any chances? I'm trying to get a gauge yeah. of you know. Yes. You know, yes. would you pick them to win that seven game series? Uh, I'm trying to well, say actually. So okay, so I'll explain. Regardless uh, of which seed they are, do you think the Lakers and the Warriors would you pick could, the La- could match it against either the Jazz yeah. or the the Suns? Uh, yes. And so you'd yeah. be confident that they would win the series. So I so I think that um, my reason for thinking that the Lakers are going to swap seeds with the Warriors, right, is that they're all back, but they're not fully in. Like they're not fully in. Um, not back, back. They haven't shaken off all the rust yet, right? Yeah, right. Um, AD's shaking off a bit of rust. LeBron's yeah. had a couple of extra rest games, but. But the reason I think, yeah, the reason I think that the um, that they'll be the scariest eight seed in history is because I think that by the time their first round series comes around, um, one, they'll ha- they'll be a team that has LeBron on it that's got its back against the wall, even if he never will be a hundred percent healthy ever again. Oh, thoughts <laughs> and prayers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that when they're all together, they are the team that everyone thought was going to run away with it at the start of the season before they got hurt, basically, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Lakers I would pick in a first-round series. Um, I don't think it will necessarily be an easy first-round series because those, you know, those top two, the Jazz and the Suns are very good teams. Mm. Um, but I, 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 can't, I can't pick against that another LeBron team that's got AD on it and they're both healthy, frankly. Okay. Um, the Warriors, I don't think, are going to win a first-round series. Um, I think they might, you know, like I say, make things exciting in the play-in, but I don't think that they're. I don't think they're going to beat uh, the Jazz or the Suns in a a full series. And I take it we're just putting a line through all of the play-in teams in the East. You know, they. You know, do we think any of them can win a game in the first-round series against Philly or nah. Brooklyn? Nah. No. It's a lot more balanced in the East now, but it's not. It's it's definitely still. It's still well, uh, out of proportion. I, honestly, I think the East is actually a bit like what people were saying about the the last the last draft, right? Yeah. Um, is that you know the top few are actually really good, and the rest of them are very even, but not in the same not on the same level, right? Um. So I, I I could see them because because there's a chance like for example the Wizards might get in um or I guess there's a some chance I think a small one that the Hornets get in these are teams that might might just spoil and and get the jump on someone and win our game yeah um one one thing that the um in the east particularly one one thing that the the winners of the play in tournament the ones who end up in the actual playoffs one small advantage they have is that the top seeds won't have had time, much time to prepare for whichever of the two that they're playing, or whichever of the four, rather, that they're playing, right? Because um, mm. they won't have had, a, had as much time. So it's a small advantage. It's like a small preparation advantage. Whereas, you know, from um, the, the, the middle seeds all know exactly, they already know exactly who they're preparing to um, to play in the series, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see them taking a game. I don't see any of them winning a series against uh, cool against the Sixers or, or these these Nets. 
So I'm going to talk about the remaining first round series that we've got locked in. There's the other four that we already know, the three versus six and the four versus five in order of interest as far as I'm concerned, because it's my podcast and we do this my way. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Richie. First of all, uh, Atlanta and New York is probably number four. Um, everybody seems to be backing Atlanta, and I think as long as they don't get caught in too many close games, I think the Knicks are going to win this series in six. Yeah, They're a much I, I... tougher team, and this is, the, this is the playoffs. Basketball becomes different, and the Knicks have been playing much more playoff-style basketball right throughout the entire season. Yeah, no, they know who they are. They have an identity. They've, they haven't been hit by injuries. They haven't had guys in and out all season. They're the, they're the much more reliable, safer bet, and everyone's talking themselves into Atlanta, and it's just like it doesn't, I don't know if it makes much sense. I can see Atlanta winning. You know, I can see Atlanta winning a game by thirty in this series, but you don't get two Ws for winning a game by thirty in the playoffs. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think the Knicks are headed in the right direction. Their defensive mindset's gonna gonna get them over the line. I think the the Hawks are exciting at times, but you're right. The 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 Knicks are, have picked up some momentum and keep uh, keep Rose on the court, and uh, they'll keep winning. Yeah, I picked the Knicks too. Um, on paper, I think when the Hawks get it together, they're mm. going to be like they've got a lot of talent on that team, right? Um, they actually run. They actually run really well when Trey Young is not running things. Yeah. Bogdanovich has been really good in that kind of primary ball handler, handler, playmaker sort of role for them. Um, of course, when Trey's healthy, that's not what happens. So, so it's a bit uh, like what the Warriors did with uh, Draymond and Steph when at the offensive end of the floor, you know, enable yeah. Steph to work off the ball. Well, yeah. someone was saying something interesting about how, like, you know, basically once Wiseman got hurt, the Warriors were kind of forced to play small ball, um, and they're really good at it. It turns out. <laughs> so, like, surprise, yeah. surprise. Shock horror, right? Um, and so, you know, like the Warriors kind of coming home with the, with the wet sail is kind of because they were forced to change their game plan. Um, and, you know, the Hawks have had some quite good stretches with, uh, you know, with their highest scoring player um, and, uh, I guess, um, front man out. So, um, yeah, anyway, look, I think as currently constituted, um, I think the Knicks beat the Hawks probably in, yeah, probably in six. Cool. Yeah. Um, next. next is the three versus six matchup in the West. It's Denver and Portland. Do anyone Does anyone give Portland a puncher's chance of beating the Denver I, Jokic's? I think, they, um, I think they take a game, maybe two, the Trailblazers. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the Nuggets have got this. It's like I, I want to be more... I want this series to be more in, in the balance than I think it really is because you've got two really, really, really mm. good clutch scorers, right? Like really, really good clutch players. And I want it to be close enough that you get to see that, but I don't know. You don't think there's going to be any clutch moments given that, yeah, I think the Denver Well, I just, I just think end-to-end end, the Nuggets are a better team. I mean, yep. I think maybe there's, um, maybe there's less in it now with Murray injured. Like mm-hmm. it might be closer. But then, you know... That happened, and I thought maybe, you know, like maybe they'll slow down. And then Michael Porter Jr. showed us all why he was the non-negotiable centerpiece of 
uh, a possible James Harden trade when that was being talked about, right? Like he's been great yep. since um, since Murray's been uh, injured. So I do, yeah, I do think the Nuggets, um, the Nuggets run away with it. But um, I, I want to see some Dame heroics. I really want to. So we'll see how we go. We'll see. Well, I think see we're all giving the the the, the 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 only reason for pause is Dame. Yep. Yeah. Because he's such a incredible clutch playoff performer that. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. Um. My next one is Clippers and Dallas. <laughs> I really want Dallas to win this. Yeah, of course you do. Um, I don't think they're going to, and it has nothing I... to do with how good Dallas are. But no, no, I, I have I more think, to say about the Clippers are... in a minute. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, even though this is a four-five matchup, I, I don't think this is going to be close. I, I think the Clippers are about to wipe the floor. And, yeah, look, I, I, I'll say it now. I'll get the brooms out. Round one. Sorry, Luca. I think Doncic is probably too good for that. But, I think he's um, going to get one. He he doesn't have enough help for this Clipper team. And this is, yeah. So you're picking five or six? I'm picking five. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm getting the yep. broom out. I'm going to call it. With a, with a whole bunch of have the Mavericks gone backwards stories after that because they... It was no. six last season, no. and they had all sorts of injuries in last season's things. So, which will be mostly unfair because I think it'll be about the other thing. Yeah, so. I actually think the Clippers have quietly solved some of the problems that they had last year, and I think they've really benefited from not being the the front runners that they were last year. Like, and they're still pretty much the same team. It's ridiculous. Well, that's no. No, 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 no. That's I think they're very importantly different. So aside from not being, you know, leading from the front again, um, they are and being out of the spotlight. Think about it like this: in terms of like culture, which was clearly a problem last season. Yeah, that's right. The point. They've they've they no longer have some of their um, the people who were key to the culture clash when they brought in the two stars. Right, Lou Williams is gone. Right. Mm. Harold's gone, and they've got Rondo now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got playoff Rondo. I know. Um, but you know, even if all he did was talk, and he does a lot of that, but even if all he did was talk, he's really good he's, at it. Yeah, he is someone that other players listen to, right? Yep. Like if culture is Kinko. your problem, you know. If culture is your problem and the problem is dis- one of disunity, right? Getting someone like Rondo, who everyone listens to, um, is a really smart move. And, you know, like I say, Playoff P hasn't done as much talking this year, right? He um, doesn't do quite so much drinking coffee as he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like they're actually playing with a little bit of a chip, you know, because uh, I was reading some reporting about this that um, people feel like even like no-name players from other teams feel like they can mess with Paul George after last season, right, and hitting the side of the backboard and stuff like that. And he's playing a bit angry. Yeah. And amazingly, he's playing really well angry this season. Um, It's not kind of 
um, it's not it's not uh, the it's not the Paul George we saw in the bubble. So yeah. Anyway, look, I think they they they're going to win. I I can't actually decide whether whether I think it's going to be. A, I think Luke is too good for it, to, uh, too good to get swept. So I think it's I think five. I don't think it's going to go six. Um, and yeah, I do think the Clippers are relevantly different this season. Well, I'm, I've got more to say about the Clippers in a few minutes. Um, okay. Oh. The the clearly the best matchup and the most interesting matchup of the first round is Milwaukee and Miami going at it again. Um, this this is this has the biggest stakes because you've got the best team in different. the East. You got the best team in the East from last year against the guys who actually won the East. Yeah. And this is yeah this is this is worthy of conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Miami. I saw Miami last week against Boston, and they sort of looked like the Miami from last season. Yeah, they kept throwing haymakers, and it's like Boston were just completely ill-equipped to take to 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 compete with that. Milwaukee are a different proposition, but Mm. I can't see this going anything but seven games. It's. I'm really excited for this series. Really, really excited because, like, the Heat on paper are basically the same as the team that uh, that won the East last season. Yeah. Um, their performance this season has not consistently shown that, right? Heroes had some, like, nasty cold streaks. He's rebounding as well as he ever did. But, like, you know, we've had some kind of inconsistency in there, and there have been a few injuries. Jimmy Butler's kind of quietly putting together what is just about a career year almost, right, in a lot of ways. Like, he's playing really, really well. On the other hand, the Bucks the most boring team in the east for the last few for the last few seasons but boring because they were doing so well right have actually mixed things up a bit Giannis is not exactly the same Giannis we saw last season and holiday actually gives them a look that they haven't had before um in a and they've still team. got middleton who's a pretty good either sec he's he's a, he's a more than serviceable second banana but as you know if your holiday's your second banana and suddenly middleton's your third banana then, yeah, exactly yeah that's a pretty pretty elite uh top three there's not exactly many yeah. in the era of the big two um that's an elite that's an elite top three i yeah, yeah. It, it's up there with uh well let me just pick a, th- a triumvirate out of my head chris paul devin booker and deandre aiden <laughs> wow it's a little bit it's a little bit better than that probably but yeah, so I think it's I think it's going to be a I'm really I'm really interested in that series. I really want to watch it. So um, there is yeah. a thing in there is a concept um, that I think our man Bill Simmons came up with with regards to NFL football. It also works for AFL football because they play not as many games a season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the kitchen sink game, and that is we just game we just have to have it, and you throw the kitchen sink at the other team. This is a kitchen sink series for the Milwaukee Bucks. They cannot lose this series because they have such a limited scope to blow it up. Yeah. After this season, if they feel like, well, we can't win the title, their only move up, their only move would be to trade Middleton because they just got Holiday. Giannis, well, I can't trade Giannis, but he's like about to enter a five-year, two hundred fifty, you know, quarter billion dollar contract. So, yeah, yeah, Milwaukee just have to have this series. So I think I, in think, the end, I think the Bucks end up winning it against the Miami team, who have just sort of worked so hard just to get the position they're in. They still 
have every one of their relevant players except Butler on the you know on in the first half of their careers. Bam, Hero, Robinson. Oh, except probably Dragic, but he's been a little bit of a like a icing on the cake this season for him. And you know you can get mm. someone like him at his price, um, and you can replace eighty five percent, ninety five percent of his production. Maybe not all of his swagger. I mean, incredible in that Boston game. He's just hitting these threes. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just feel that this series is a little bit more important to Milwaukee than it is to Miami. And for that reason, I'm saying Bucks in seven in double overtime in game seven. <laughs> double overtime. I, w- I want to watch that game. It's as close as it could be. Okay, let's stick with the East. Let's skip over the second round and the, and the conference finals. Who's coming out of each conference? Who's playing in the NBA finals? I'm going to go first. And I'm going to make my case. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to win the East and it's not even going to be that close because every other relevant team in the Eastern Conference is just going to kill themselves for three, four weeks to see who gets to play Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia will get, you know, Boston or Indiana. Then they'll get Atlanta or New York. They'll have, you know, they might have to play 10 games to get through those two, Embiid, all those guys will be rested. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a game one in an Eastern Conference Finals just because they've had that easy road and that sometimes happens. You know, Lakers Gentlemen in sweeping everybody. Yeah, Lakers in 2001 when Iverson went off in that overtime, lost game one. It was the only game they lost that playoffs. Um, but, you know, they've got the best record and, you know, I think a lot of people will talk themselves into Brooklyn who, again, you know, they haven't played many games together this season. Playoffs is different. You want to be tested, you know, it's, you know, you get tested in the regular season game. There's always a game tomorrow night, two games, you know, two nights down the road. Um, I really like what Philly done this season. They probably had the most dominant player in the NBA this season when he was up and about in Embiid. They've got a transcendent perimeter defensive player. I really like what they've got around them. I think Philly are winning the East and they're going to win it reasonably comfortably. Who has someone else? In the East? Yeah. Do you You can go, Dan. Or are you agreeing with... Um... Well, I agree. Um, and I guess to add to some of the, the points that Andrew made, I think even just going down to, let's say we get the dream... Um, Eastern Conference Finals that people like that the seedings would indicate and it's sixes nets, right? Mm. Like thinking about balance and matchups, like the nets are going to be throwing what Jordan and Griffin against Embiid. What's that going to look like? I think Embiid's going to have a very good time. Um, and and you can't fail Embiid. He he looks. I, like, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw something something a little bit different here. Um, I think the I think the Bucks are getting out. Bucks. I think this season, the the big change for Milwaukee is they are no longer a regular season um, team. They are a playoff team, and they are going to take on the playoffs like they haven't before. I think Giannis is about to take the playoffs by the scruff of the neck, and I think. The Eastern Conference Finals go to seven games. Who do you think they're going to play? It'll be it'll be Philly Milwaukee, won't it? Oh, it has to be, does it? Yeah, yeah, because Brooklyn will play Milwaukee. Yeah, otherwise you're picking Atlanta yeah. or the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that half of the draw. So, 
Yeah. Fair enough. Let me put it this way. Just talking about the players on the teams, so I'm putting people who might have other jobs in the organization to one side. There are three. I think there are three teams who can win the East, and I'd be happy if two of them won the championship. And I'll let you figure all that out with my explanation. But Philly yeah. and Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they'd be good news stories. And oh, Brooklyn, yeah, I don't want to see Brooklyn, Brooklyn win. Brooklyn coach aside for someone like me as a Phoenix fan. Um, yeah. yeah, I there's you know I, <laughs> I have no desire to see that team win a championship. Um, okay, so. We're past the hour and a half mark, so it's time for my hottest take, maybe of all time on this podcast. My pick for the Western Conference is the Los Angeles Clippers. And because the most important trade that happened this season was in terms of the future of the the NBA championship was the Harden trade because he was the best player who got trade. The second most important trade was Williams for Rondo. He completely transforms that team, and he's exactly what they needed. Exactly what they needed. So I, I I like the Clippers to beat Dallas. I like the Clippers to beat Utah in the second round, and then I like the Clippers to beat Phoenix in the in the Western Conference. I don't so like the, it. The, I don't like it. The reality, <laughs> the reality, you know, is going to be we're finally going to get the Western Conference Finals we've been waiting for since LeBron went to Los Angeles. Okay, but that can only happen if the Warriors win on Thursday. Can it? No. Oh, no. Wait, no. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that, means, that means we're losing in the first round. <laughs> but you Don't might let have that happen, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I, I understand. I, I believe Rondo is a huge, huge playoff. Rondo is a real thing. Yeah, but how much of an upgrade is playoff Rondo on playoff Lou? Yeah. It's they they they're like Bizarro. He's like Bizarro Lou Williams. Yeah, he's not gonna score, but he'll make he'll he'll help the team score. Yeah. I know. Play, playoff Rondo hits threes now. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't don't underestimate playoff Rondo. Playoff Rondo will do some crazy shit. Yeah. Anyway. But they can roll that lineup here. It's just like, yeah. That's- I'm sorry. I just want to see the the battle of LA pan out differently. I think it'll. Uh, I think it'll come down to a battle of LA. Well, I mean, I think that would be that would be the biggest story, and I think it's yeah. what everyone thought was going to happen last season. Um, obviously, what you know, I don't think way, this is the way, way everything- everyone thought it was going to pan. Like this yeah. is how we were going to get there. Yeah. But I think everyone thought last year when the season started, it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, and the Western Conference Finals, and there's going to be seven games in the Staples Center. And then it ended up that even if that had happened, that yeah, they wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have been in the Staples Center, but it can happen this time. So Now they'll have an average cra- attendance of a 1,000 people. Yeah, so it'll be like seven Clipper home games. <laughs> <laughs> beat me to the punch, beat me to the punch. <laughs> That one was too easy. That was. It'll that sound. Was, it'll feel like the same game. When did they move into for a slam dunk? When do they? When do they move into their new arena? The Clips. The, the Clippers. Clippers in, yeah. Is they go, they're going out to next to the Rams Stadium, aren't they? Yeah. It's in, yeah. Um, so. Ingle. Yeah. 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 So. I just like their own stadium, though. Like, you know. Maybe they could be an abandoned bloody high school for all week here. Like. It's, <laughs> <laughs> No yeah, one's it's really still going to be filled with the other just... team's fans, whoever they're playing. 
So <laughs> they still have no championship banners to hang, right? Would you yeah. like a saucer of milk with that? Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, having no banners on the rafters, they'll be better than having the Clippers decal on the court and the Laker banners hanging off the rafters. That's true. That's true. Yeah. True. You know. Jeez, having to cover you know, up all the Lakers banners every yeah, night is uh, all tr- frustrating. All 12 of them. Um, yep. <laughs> not going down this again. <laughs> no, no, Andrew, just no. I've got support. You're outnumbered. <laughs> nah, the banners are an hour after as we're good. Um, yeah. yeah, this is probably not how we wanted the Battle of LA to go down. If if it does pan out this way, you don't. I don't think we would have gone to the start of the season going, and the Lakers and Clippers are going to be fighting out for the Western Conference title from fourth and seventh seed, respectively. It'll it'll certainly give fuel to the fire for people like me who'll be like anti anti playing game, and the regular season needs to count for more and all that sort of stuff, which is sort of where I am in every sport. Oh come on, you you still follow, be so. rolling in the elation of actually making the playoffs. What? We got the second seed and we were one game out of the third. Utah had lost their last game. We were the number one seed and we can't even win a round of the playoffs. No. Just be are really, really sour. No need to be greedy. If we, had been, if we would have been the sixth seed and we were playing, you know, we played like the sixth best team in the Western Conference all season and then we ran into Denver and Jokic and all of that sort of stuff and lost in six games, yes, then that would be fine. But, you know. Just I imagine LeBron and AD didn't get injured. Who was number one? As as is the best story. Chris Paul's the best player in the NBA without a championship. So is it, can you now understand why the trade was the trade was vetoed for Chris Paul? Yeah, because there'd be no wonderful uh, story of fairy tale story of he won a championship for the Lakers. No one wants to see that ex- Kobe would have got six rings. Laker, except Laker people. Kobe would have had six rings. I'm sure they would have coexisted really easily. I'm sure that would have been fine. Kobe would have um, got Anyway. Do you, do, you, do, you reckon, do you reckon they would have... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they would have gotten along that well. They might, have, they might still have won it, but they might have murdered each other at the end. Just saying. Yeah, let's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have coming out of the West, Daniel? Ah! Oh! Spurs. Um, you almost got away with it. It just feels very, it feels very kind of, it does feel very anticlimactic actually, because I'm basically going to agree with one of you, you know, um, I, I guess here's the thing, right? Through the first, you know, most of the season, basically until, until that time when both AD and Bron were out, I was you know, fully subscribing to the notion that this the the, the Lakers were going to be the repeat champs, um, and I just I find it very hard to go against a LeBron team when he's got this much um, this much support. Like even when they were both out for a good part of that time, they were still an amazingly good defensive team, even though they really lacked kind of. Uh, offensive firepower. They were still a really good defensive team for good stretches, good long stretches of that time. And I just can't get away from the idea that they're kind of getting back to that um, as they shake off the rust and head in towards the playoffs. 
I do think the Clippers are a different team, and I'll actually be kind of happy for them if they're able to um, live up to that in a way that they weren't able to last season, right? I won't be disappointed if the Clippers manage to to come out with it because I do think they're better, and I do think they're qualitatively different um, mm. from the disappointing mess that they were last season in the playoffs. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just, I can't, I can't not back the Lakers for this. Um, cause I think they're back to the team. They're going to be back to the team that they were, uh, earlier in the season by the time, uh, by the time they finish. And in addition to everything else, you know, when they're healthy, when they're rolling, they actually have a pretty good intimidation factor and that counts for something, right? LeBron scares players. Um, yeah. And it makes a lot, well, not all of them, but it, it makes a lot of them just a little bit slower, you know, a little bit more awkward on there. Um, and it's one of the reasons he's got such, I think it's in addition to the fact that he's been a bit more energized since going to the Lakers and playing with AD and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he's more active on defense again. Um, I think it's one of the reasons it, it helps his defensive numbers the same way it helped Jordan's, you know, like Jordan scared the hell out of people. Um, and it slowed them down, and you know Are you they saying were less LeBron effective. has the same intimidation not, factor as MJ? Not the same. Um, In any but, way similar? Yeah, similar. Oh, well, I'm not Michael saying it's in the same. Personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's because I think it's also like you know LeBron's also friends with a lot of people, and I think there's also a certain, <laughs> friends. I think that also helps a lot, actually. Um, you know, like look at, look at his head to head numbers against people who are kind of avowed LeBron fans growing up and see how well they play against him. It's not, it's not necessarily as well as they play when they're playing in games against other, 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 you know, kind of top flight sort of guys. So, you know, um, Ben Simmons, for example, certainly in his first few years did not tend to have amazing games against LeBron James. But they did, they did, you know, they did dap up and they do get along, right? Um, so, yeah, look, I, I can't not back the Lakers if they're fully healthy. So just um, to recap, Adam has the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Cup in the NBA Finals. That's the Lakers and the Bucks. <laughs> Dan has a replay of the 1983 NBA Finals with the Lakers and Philly. And I've got the Clippers in Philly. So, yep. yeah. So I'm the odd one out on the Eastern Conference and uh, sorry, in the Western Conference and Adam's the odd one out in the Eastern Conference. And yep. Cool. Well, that has been a most enjoyable chat and we'll yes. probably try and get together before between the conference finals and the NBA finals to an NBA finals preview. Um, Adam, Daniel, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and just, just if I could, um, any listeners out there that do enjoy the old, uh, I don't say gambling, but um, basketball oh, plug. cards. I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna give myself a bit of a plug here. I've, Excellent. I've just joined a, a, a new show as a as a co-host. Uh, it's uh, Chess Breaks on YouTube. We talk NBA trading cards. That's uh, mail time every Wednesday at about six thirty Melbourne time. So Chess Breaks on YouTube. Oh. I've got to see if I've got any of my uh, second edition, second edition, middle half of the ninety two, ninety three NBA hoops cards left. I think I've got some Mike Woodson 
uh, <laughs> like of the Cleveland Cavaliers cards and maybe a Todd I'm, Day rookie card somewhere. Um, Todd Day Will- rookie. Walt, Walt Williams, Magic Johnson, like, uh, that, that was who he was compared to. Um, I had an old Daniel, Rolando Blackman card for ages, yeah. but I seem to have misplaced it. <laughs> Daniel, can I leave you with the statistic that's going to make you want to pull your hair out? <sighs> sure. So, <laughs> you're on those lines. The Timberwolves there. finished with 23 wins this season, right? They went 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The teams below them went all went one and nine or two and eight. If the Timberwolves had went two had gone two and eight, mm-hmm. um, they would have tied for the second worst record in the NBA instead of the fifth worst, and thus their odds would have been a whole lot different. So the we don't even know how to tank properly. Award goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Man, yeah. we feel in the, in, we, we in, feel bad for you because. That's in the race just... to the bottom, we were fifth. I think that yeah. says, and maybe, <laughs> just... maybe, maybe with the uh, maybe with the team being sold, like maybe, maybe that'll, maybe that'll finally help us turn it around. Slowly floated to the top, like a you know, like a stubborn turd in the <laughs> in the toilet I was bowl. Say the toilet bowl, yeah. It's uh, change it from lime green to brown jerseys. I um, what we need to do. What we what we needed to do was, um, you know, give give Cat the time he needed to recover. Um, <laughs> play it, play it a hell of a lot of um, D'Angelo Russell. Um, give Anthony Edwards some time to, you know, to like some time to really genuinely appreciate his achievements thus far. Um, and um, yeah, just let just let uh, D'Angelo run the show for a bit, and we would have been fine. Let Russell cook. We would have been. We would have been. We would have been zero and ten. I'm just saying. (laughs) On that note, we will call it a day. We will talk to you guys soon. NBA playoffs about to begin. An exciting time. That's it for this edition of the podcast. It should go without saying. I'm Andrew Lewis, and I will catch you next time.